As November approaches, college football often becomes a one-sided conversation in Kansas. K-State is talking about bowl possibilities. KU's talking about basketball. That is not the case this week as the Sunflower Showdown approaches. The teams are coming off Big 12 victories with the Wildcats stunning fifth-ranked Oklahoma and the Jayhawks pulling off a final play triumph over Texas Tech. The teams meet on Saturday in Lawrence and star columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian plan to be there. But today, Tuesday, October 29th, they're here with me in the studio to talk about the matchup, the programs, the coaches, and the future on Sportsbeat KC, presented by Big O Tires. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. We couldn't let a discussion of college football pass without weighing in on the Missouri Tigers, so we'll do that as well. But first, a sunflower showdown worth talking about. Sam Ellinger and Vahe Gregorian are in the studio, and I know where you guys are going Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever covered a Kansas-Kansas State game together. I'm sure we haven't um, <laughs> in football. Right, there may be a basketball game or two. Yeah, um, and I don't. You guys, you've probably been digging through this a little bit, Blair. Already, I haven't yet, but this makes us all think about last times, right? On, on, in terms of any anything that that would be this this notable with these two. I seem to remember a time in the late '80s, early '90s, right when when K State was making a little turn. That I, I think uh, one of our predecessors here, Gib Twyman, was writing a column about the traffic backup on. Wow, good memory on K seven or something. Let, let was, us call him with that. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I just I just remember that early nineties. Back then, it made an impression. It was uh, the 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 programs. Both programs had started their turnaround under Glenn Mason and Bill Snyder, and what struck uh, Gib Twyman, the late Gib Twyman, was the where he picked up the traffic coming over from Kansas City, and it was you know sooner than it had ever been for him going <laughs> over to a Kansas Kansas State game in Lawrence. Um, and I remember he also included in that column the the hill, back when yes. fans could sit on the hill at at at, uh, at KU football games and how the hill was packed and uh, that was sort of a you know a, a moment a pivotal game in in the KU K State football rivalry because th- they were both on the upswing. So the question is now, is is that true today? Are both of these programs on the upswing? They certainly are having, they're feeling good about themselves this week. In the moment, in the micro, um, there's no question they're, they're on the upswing, right? Um, that was, I had a couple of people send messages, either email or Twitter and stuff about, is that the best win in school history for, for, uh, for K-State? And I'm thinking, no, it, it's, it's not. It's, I don't think it's even that close, but it's one of the best wins in the last 10 years. Um, certainly one of the best five wins, maybe one of the best two or three. Uh, but I mean, K-State has, has, that's a program with a profile high enough that, you know, they've been in the national championship picture late in seasons before, 2012 um, be, being the most recent. Um, but that was a hell of a win. And, and, and not just because they beat, Oklahoma's five, right? Uh, yep. not, not just because they beat the fifth ranked team in the nation, but um, that was not a fluke. You know, a lot of times there's an upset and, there's a string of kind of coincidences that, that go the, the lesser team's way. But if you didn't know, you know, if, if the uniforms were blank and there was no number five next to Oklahoma, you would have thought K-State was just flat out the better team and, and maybe should have won by more, that it was just this desperate comeback at the end for, for Oklahoma. And so I, I think that they are 
I think all of us were pretty positive on Chris Kleiman initially, which was an unpopular take um, in Manhattan in some circles. But um, I, I feel more confident about them being, you know, sort of at that level of, you know, six to nine wins a year. And every once in a while you get, you know, a, a pretty good run and you make a run for uh, conference championship, stuff like that. I don't know as much about Kansas. That was, that was a heck of a win. Um and, you know, I think seven conference wins now in 11 years. So I, I think that it's even with uh, the new OC, there's there's still, you know, some, I don't know, some, some healthy skepticism should be, you know, let, let's wait and see them back it up, I guess. I think we got into this point a little bit early. And, and I think for once it's worth referring back to something we thought, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is that Kansas, you know, had that little burst, that, that nice Boston College win. Yeah. But I think even then we kind of recognize that their pendulum's going to swing a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little volatile. So I, I, that leaves me back at don't know quite what to expect this week. Uh, it is interesting, though, the, way, the crazy way that they won that game right after the Texas game uh, that we now have seen you know, the Big 12 acknowledge um, could have gone differently for Kansas if the, if, if the clock uh, had, had been used properly. Properly yeah, applied. Apply, clock applied air. is the better term, yeah. yes. Uh, so, Sam, you said uh, the, the K-State victory over Oklahoma, which was, what, 48-41 on Saturday, mm -hmm. was not a fluke. And I agree. But the, it was surprising in, the, uh, in, in, the, in this respect. The Wildcats, after beating Mississippi State, pretty you know, impressive win when that happened to, to end their non, the non-conference portion of the schedule, turned around and lost at Oklahoma State and then really didn't play well at all in a home loss to Baylor. So I, Kellis Robinette, who covers the Wildcats for us, and I talked about this, we kind of didn't know what to make of these Wildcats. What, mm -hmm. you know, with a experienced quarterback and, you know, they had some, they had some nice pieces on defense, but, but, you know, they weren't getting good wide receiver play. Their, yeah. their running back seemed to not have an identity. I, it was nice. It was a nice win over TCU the previous week, but I had no idea that this team was capable of doing what it did on Saturday. Yeah. And that that's – I give K-State all the credit in the world, but I think maybe in addition a comment should be maybe Oklahoma wasn't national championship level worthy sure. in, 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 in that loss. Yeah, um, I think that's accurate. I, I also think that – look, it was a shocking result because Saturday morning I would have thought there was no way that, that K-State wins that game. So it was a shocking result, but just, you know, those 60 minutes, um, and I watched most of that game. I mean, K-State just looked more physical. They looked stronger, which was kind of surprising at the, at the line of scrimmage. I mean, once they got inside the 10, it was just run, 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 touchdown. I mean, there was nothing that Oklahoma could do. Skylar Thompson looked really good. And, and I think that kid has a lot of talent. Um, and not just a lot of talent, but it seems like he's got, I hate the, the, the term, but like the it factor that people talk about with quarterbacks. He just got, he's got something about him. And, you know, I don't know if it's just because he's a Kansas City kid. I, I've always kind of rooted for that guy. And um, it seemed like he wasn't getting a lot of help at times earlier in the season, whether that was coaching, whether that was, you know, teammates, whatever, that, that he wasn't put in the best con and context matters incredibly uh, for quarterbacks. And he had that, you know, and really took advantage of four rushing touchdowns for, for goodness sake. I mean, it was just that was a hell of an impressive. I mean, just the kind of for a first year coach, the kind of win that 
you know, you pin it up and you talk about that on the recruiting trail. It, it, it helps with boosters. It helps with fan confidence. I mean, it's just a really enormous moment for them. It, it, and it reminds me, and, and I really don't bring this up to pick on, on Bill Snyder, but it reminds me that, that there was a disconnect with yeah. Snyder and Skylar Thompson. And, and um, I think we, 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 can, we can say that Skylar Thompson was likely to leave if Bill, if Bill Snyder had stayed. Um, I, I, I'd have to look that back up. Um, we, we do know that but, Skylar Thompson has talked about how much better he feels about the yeah, situa- his situation. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a, a, a more uh, disciplined way to put it and probably more accurate. But, it, but bottom line is it's, it's sort of a, a little microcosm of what impact Chris Kleiman's had on the program yeah. and, and kind of the energy he's brought and maybe just the clear vision. You know, you come into something with a um, – not a blank slate, but a, but an open mind, and um, I think that that can be part of uh, a rejuvenation too. I don't remember the last time Kansas State had a win quite like this. You w- you went back to 2012 when they were they they were undefeated, like 10 and 0, and uh, and beating Oklahoma along the way. And Oklahoma, I think, was a top 10 program. And in Norman. In Norman yeah. that year, yeah. so that might have been the last win like this. Top. Uh, they. I think that I think we're right about I think, that. And I think I don't know if it really. It's probably one of those things that you're better off going with your sense of by feel than by any rote numbers. But I guess it was '06. Last time was a top five team, right? Beating right. Texas um, at at home. Right. Um, in, I mean, in Manhattan. Um, they, but I, I, go ahead, Sam. Well, just I have this right in front of me, so let me just uh, the top fifteen wins in the last ten years uh, before Saturday at number six Oklahoma in 2012. At number eleven, Oklahoma in two thousand fourteen, Texas Tech at home in two thousand twelve, Baylor at home in two thousand eleven. In the last fifth or ten years, those are the top fifteen wins. So, which which speaks to my point that um, Bill Snyder had a great run. Both both of them, right? The the Bill Snyder <laughs> yeah, one yeah, and, yeah. and Bill Snyder two were great runs. But there wasn't a moment like. In the second go around, there wasn't a moment like Saturday, and yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to suggest that he, you know, was, was now incapable of winning a game like that. Right. But he didn't win a game like that. Not right. quite like this. Not the, you know, students rush the field celebration type yeah. of victory over a over a, a top five opponent. And there were opportunities to, you know, they, they they played teams that were in the top five, top ten. It didn't happen. So, that's what makes. The outcome so remarkable to me to me is Kansas State did this not with a ten and O team that's playing for the college football you know playoff right. spot or, B, or back in the day a BCS spot. They did this in a season in which they've already lost at home to Baylor at Oklahoma State. You know Baylor looks really good. We we don't sure. jury's still out on Baylor. Baylor could be a you know an undefeated team at the end of the year, but um, but that's. I don't know. I, I think that really hats off to Chris Kleiman and, and, and the job he's done. And he's, you know, he, he, he saw some problems, you know, a couple of weeks ago and he got them fixed. He fixed the problems and, and they turned around and beat a, a really good Oklahoma team. You, you reminded me of it, something I think it brings all this together a little bit. It's a statistic I wouldn't have known if Kellis Robinette, our, our K State writer, hadn't brought it up. But so they scored 48 points in that game. They scored a total of 49 in their three previous Big 12 games. So there was an adjustment yes. <laughs> at some point. And uh, I think even if they hadn't won this game, we feel I think we might feel like we learned something a little bit about K-State, right? Even if they played really well and lost. Because I, I thought that was the, 
thought that was the ceiling on this game. They, they might play well and lose. But I think, I think you see something here about, um, it was a dangerous term to use because I used it about Barry Odom and his team recently, but a sense of connection between the coach and the team that makes you feel like, okay, they, they uh, can adjust on the fly. Um, you know, 3-0, and he knew they weren't, they weren't going to be able to rest on laurels after they won at Mississippi State, but and then they lose a couple. I, I bring this, all this up to say it'll be really interesting test of that to see how dialed in and, and uh, prepared to play they are this week. They ought to be quite dialed in for many reasons, but we, we, we haven't seen that yet out of them, right? Can they sustain a, a little, little streak too? Well, we're going to talk about KU's big adjustment here in a moment, but I wanted to, before we kind of wrap up the K-State part of this conversation, uh, we, we've all covered sports long enough to appreciate the scene at the end of the, uh, the maybe the celebration when Gene Taylor, the Kansas State Athletic Director, gave Kleiman a big hug after the game. And that's, look, they, they both felt great about the you know the, the victory and uh, and it was sort of a, a very much in the moment uh, f- feeling, but I think for for Gene Taylor, you know a moment like that is also a little bit of vindication too. That totally, he made the right move. You you started talk. You've talked about that as we opened up, Sam. That there was um, not. It wasn't. You know, the the higher wasn't. You know, a hundred percent approval rating. Right. Right. There were there were some skeptics out there. Yeah, and and I mean, just superficially, uh, and that's all any criticism or praise of a hire is, right? It's it's almost all just superficial. Um, you can see where that was coming from. You know, it it looks not like a lazy hire, but like just the expected, the easy, the the familiar, I guess, for for mm-hmm. Gene Taylor. Uh, you know, just obviously with with their history together. Um, I, I also think there was an element of. You know, college football is all about image, right? Um, college sports are all about image. And hiring a coach from a lower level, you know, it, it's not the hot OC at a power five, you know, power. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, you're not getting the OC from, you know, Alabama or whatever. And there's, there's a certain image part of that. But the, the substance of it and look like, I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be wrong many, 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 many more times. But like it just... There, there seemed to be a substance about Chris Kleiman um, and, and the way he operated and the way that people talk about him, um, the way that he ran that program. I know he didn't build it up necessarily, but he was part of that. Um, so I, I, it, it's good to see people have success in those situations, you know? And then look, like he's what, eight games into it now? Uh, you know, the book has not been written, you know? Ron Prince won some games, you know? But um, it, it just, it seems like... It, it, it just seems like there, there is some substance behind this. And I mean, time will tell, but it's just, there's some stuff to believe in there. You know, one of the other aspects of that, I, I'm not sure we can separate how much the unpopularity or blowback, whatever you want to call it, of the response then was about the choice itself and how much was Bill Snyder loyalists that felt like you know, Bill was put out to pasture maybe before he wanted to, yeah. seemed to be before he wanted to necessarily. So. Um, hard to separate that and, and I, I bring that up to circle back to Gene Taylor because one way or another he had a lot to navigate orchestrate and and get right here and um, as you noted Sam it, the book is hardly written the chapter is barely written not even written um, but you got to like what this has played out to be so far 
And I'll, I'll remind you that in his first season, Ron Prince had a big win at Texas. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Um, he was 3-0 also, right? Then, then. Yeah. Um, but I remember him like Jordy Nelson at a long touchdown. I, I can't remember if it was a reception or a return. And there's Ron Prince high-stepping down the sideline next to Jordy Nelson all the way. And th- that one didn't work out. I think this one will. Uh, I don't... You know, I don't know if I thought at the time Ron Prince wasn't going to work out, but in hindsight, what a—I mean, one of the worst hires ever. Yeah. And uh, but and and administratively, just a, a rotten job with that too. With you know, yeah, contracts and, and yeah, yeah, and and everything else. It just you know, look like um, I don't know if Chris Kleiman is the guy to take K State to the brink of a national championship or even to a national championship. Um, that's a big ask for, for anybody at a program that's not, you know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, a small, a small handful. Um, but it, it, it just sur- sure seems like there's a little bit of certainty or a li- just a solid foundation, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. I, I was thinking when he was hired and as the season was after he was hired and go through in, uh, the, the media days and all that and then the season unfolds, my thought was, OK, this guy has only coached in games where he was the, always the superior team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's going to happen when he lines up against someone that is yeah. not superior to yeah, him? That's a great point. And the early returns were, hey, Mississippi State, look, he, he, he schemed and figured out a way to beat a team on the road. And then Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State and Baylor beat him. Uh, maybe not so yep. much. It's, it's a, but to do what he did in the, in, uh, to have a game plan in which he had an 18-point lead on Oklahoma, had to hang on for <laughs> dear life, but 18, up 18 against Oklahoma, pretty darn impressive. Yep. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, um, Sam and Vahe and I will talk about the other side, the home side of the Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. When it comes to saving you money on tires, nobody does it better than Big O Tires. Like saving you up to $120 on select sets of Goodyear, Yokohama, Pirelli, and Continental tires now through November 3rd. That's $70 off instantly, plus up to $50 back by mail-in rebate when you purchase using your Big O Tires card. Hurry into Big O Tires and see how much you can save. Big O Tires, the team you trust. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger are back with me, Blair Kirkhoff. And Vahe astutely noted, right after we went into the break, that the Kansas State lead over Oklahoma was not 18 or 17, whatever I said. It was indeed 20, what, 25. It got up to 25, yeah. 40, 48, 23. Yeah. And uh, and you, and the Wildcats really did have to hang on <laughs> at, at the end. I know that was you know that onside kick was a masterpiece that Oklahoma pulled off, and I, that's certainly something we'll hear about. I imagine this week the the Oklahoma player who kind of got pushed into the ball that 
allotted to Karam down the field where Oklahoma recovered it but was disallowed because of an illegal touching. Well, what's interesting about that call, by the way, and you've probably thought this through, is so what is actually then the proper call? Because if he's pushed into it, it doesn't mean it shouldn't override the fact that he still touched it early, right? Well, I think if if, if he didn't touch it on his own, then... Then it's free ball. It's, it's free, free ball. ball. If, if, a, if an opposing player pushes you into the ball, I, I think... I think that creates the free ball. So you don't get a, it wouldn't be a, there's no penalty involved. N- not it's a penalty. Just a, I just think this it's is why it happened. Play it as it lies, I think, at that point. So. I, it, it's such a weird situation. I, the exact rule, I think it has to be like an intentional push. I think. I read that. Maybe it's true or not. Uh, uh, but it, I don't think he was intentionally pushed by the case. Yeah, I don't think he was, was either. There was definitely contact. Right. There was definitely contact. And and it was also weird. Just the I'm just watching it right now. But the the camera angle, you can't physically see the ball hit the Oklahoma player. You know that it did just because of the, the way it physics right. that we yeah. all live in the world. Yeah. But it, it was just a it's just a really strange situation. I I think that a lot of Oklahoma fans are just up in arms about this, and I don't see it like that. You know? When it happened live, I thought, how did that ball shoot so fast? Yeah. You know, change directions and shoot so fast down there. I didn't see it hit. A player, yeah. But when they slowed it down, you could I thought see it hit it. a helmet or something. That's it took off that hard yeah. and fast. Yeah, but I did like the English that the that the kicker had. He put a lot of yes. spin on the ball. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's how you do an onside kick. Well, it's funny because we've been. I feel like we've been in situations talking about the, the lack of success, the impossibility of success on onside kick. And I remember seeing that and thinking, that's the first one I've seen work in a long time, at least live. All right. So when we were talking about uh, the Wildcats, uh, we, we mentioned adjustments that that. Um, Coach Kleiman, uh, Chris Kleiman had made um, no, no team has adjusted more than Kansas this season with the firing of the offensive coordinator and elevation of the staff of Brett Dearman, who um, apparently. I just want to say <laughs> <laughs> As we've discussed before. Sorry, go right. ahead. Mike Diarman is going to burn your house down now for, for that implication. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was last week's conversation. Uh, uh, anyway, he was the uh, he was given a lot of credit for what happened at Boston College in the, that game week, the third game that Kansas played this year. Was it the second game? I can't remember. Second, because then they was it third? Oh, third. Yeah, they they played. Um, they played uh, they Indiana, beat State. Indiana State, and then they oh, yeah, then they yeah, got yeah, pinatted. Right. Yes, right, right. And then they went to BC. Okay, and then. Um, uh, <laughs> right, but it wasn't until the Texas game that, uh, with Brett Deerman, with his analytics and everything he brings to offensive football, got charge of the offense. They had an extra week to prepare for Texas, and they go down to Austin and put forty-eight on on Texas, lose the game. And as you mentioned, Vahe earlier, uh, that um, uh, KU certainly was would like to have a you know a correctly operating clock at the end of that one to see what might have happened although look that texas kicker is fantastic yeah dicker the kicker um the guys he's really really he, he would have i think i can make a 60 yard yeah it would have probably worked out anyway right so, but you like to know yeah, like to, yeah, yeah 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 um but anyway look um we were talking earlier today about when the last time ku and k-state met uh coming off of victories and you think, man, it's got to be forever. It really was only just four years, three years ago. In 2016, Kansas beat Texas, and then that mm. was in the second to last game of the season, at the end of the season, playing K State, and K State was coming off a win too. So it hasn't been that long. 
However, um, I, I can't remember the last time Kansas went into a rivalry game or really any game feeling as upbeat about itself as it does right now. And look, it's, you know, Les Miles, we were, we were all, jury was out on him as well. Uh, splash hire, you know, he was out of, you know, out of work. Certainly had the relationship with Jeff Long, and I, I kind of think that you know Jeff Long got the job at KU because he had less miles, perhaps, you know, kind of lined up. Although the ESPN show, what is it? Less? I don't know what they call less it. Less is more. Less is more. Or miles to go. I'm miles sorry. to go. Which, should, <laughs> sorry. Either I got, one. I got my <laughs> less one miles work. cliches mixed up there. <laughs> I think if you Googled either one, it would pop up on ESPN yeah. now. So. <laughs> so what do we think about what Les Miles is doing? And uh, I sometimes I think these games have been kind of scripted for ESPN, you know, just to, you know, that, that, that K-State, Texas Tech, or KU, Texas Tech game could have ended in sort of a normal overtime fashion, but no, no, no. For for dramatic purposes, it had to end the way that it did, which was just wild. I've really never seen that before, and I, I feel like it, it's kind of amazing. After all these years, you can still have some kind of just quirky thing that's quirkier than. But you've, you've never seen. seen. Yeah, just just nuts. Um, you know, I I thought that uh, that the the change of coordinator reeked of panic early panic to me and clearly that that's not what happened I mean that that's just my that's really my only point on this right now like as I think about Les Miles I just don't know what to make of him um and it's because of things like that like my first instinct is like okay he's still really trying to get his hand on the pulse here and he's firing the coordinator already and oh he's right (laughs) you know so I that that's just my latest impression, and and certainly you'd say the the trajectory is up, especially in the near term, um, and that's I think we can just focus on the near term. I I this game, that's good enough. You know, I remember watching the opener when they beat Indiana State, and it was a last minute touchdown drive. Right, the Indiana State looked like the momentum. Mm-hmm. Kansas had dominated early, momentum had switched. Indiana State. Um, had taken a lead late, or it was tied. But either way, it looked like Indiana State was going to prevail in that game. And then Carter Stanley led a drive mm-hmm. at the end of the game and took him right down the field. I think it was to Parchment uh, was the touchdown pass at the end, and that was different. You know, it's, Kansas lose that, loses that game in, in previous years under previous coaches, but they they win that they, they they end up winning that game, and that was good. But my other impression from that game was. I didn't know Kansas had a receiver as good as Andrew Parchment well, yeah. or Dylan Charlotte. Uh, and the other night against Texas Tech, the um, uh, Robinson, Stephon Robinson, I think his first name is pronounced that way. Those are those are Big 12 players they have at that position. Haven't always had Big 12 players <laughs> uh, in, a, in a position group. Look, they they have deficits in other places, but you know with. With this new offensive coordinator and the wide receiver group that he has, in addition to Puka Williams and uh, and some other skill position players, they're making Carter Stanley look pretty good and this offensive coordinator. Yeah, the early on, part of my skepticism was that it looked like that's all they had at times was just those receivers. Um, and I guess I'm thinking of the Indiana State game. Puka Williams was was suspended for that game. But look at like Kansas had a, a clear, 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 clear advantage with their receivers against Indiana State's defensive backs. But everywhere else, those teams looked the same. Or even you know maybe Indiana State was was stronger in a couple areas. And maybe that's and and then you know and then they follow that up 
you know, Coastal Carolina goes pinata on him. And I, I, maybe that's part of, uh, as a wise man might put it, the secret sauce of, of the, the Deerman promotion. A bearded, a white bearded man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is that, you know, here comes the OC who's able to better take, take advantage of that. And it's, Kansas is in a really interesting spot right now because there is legitimate reason to be whatever's like a half a step below wildly optimistic, you know, um, because this mini resurgence has, um, has come just with the OC change. And if that's real, you have reason to believe that it will continue. Now, look, it's only two games. There's going to be an adjustment to the adjustment, you know, kind of phase. Um, again, like Blair, you just said, like there's there's still some deficits in some other spots, you know, the budgets and recruiting and you know everything else. But they're in a hell of an interesting spot to be playing the team. My stance has always been, I still believe this, that there's not enough room in the state of Kansas. There's not enough money. There's not enough recruits to sustain simultaneous successful programs right now. I just, I will take the under on that. And, and this is sort of the, the rabbit that KU is chasing is, is the other, you know, the in-state program. I have, I, I'm interested in the topic of, is the state, does it have enough resources, uh, population mm-hmm. uh, for, to sustain two power five programs? And I've often thought of, I compared it to other states in similar uh, population sizes, um, Oregon is one, Mississippi is another, and you think about those two states. Um, Oregon has Nike, mm-hmm. you know, an entire you know shoe company supporting, propping up one of its schools, um, and Mississippi happens to be in the middle of the most fertile, you know, ground for recruiting yeah. that there is, and plus there's a third actually Division One program in that state in Southern Miss, but. Kansas doesn't have either one of those advantages and yep. it's trying to support, you know, a couple of uh, of power five programs. What Kansas does have is a, you know, probably a, a better junior college system yep. than most states do. And you can get the kid from the South or from Texas or from California that wants to come through a junior, a, a Kansas junior college. Yep. And now get your coaches down there easily on a Saturday and have them come up and maybe after a, a Butler or Coffeyville game mm-hmm. and watch a night game at KU or K-State, especially K-State. We know Bill Snyder t- took full advantage of that. But I've always been kind of fascinated by how uh, how schools do it, you know, how, how they get it done. And and, and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult in this state for, you know, to sustain two – Power Five programs. Yeah, I don't know that it's the record a, shows that the history shows that. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we've got about a hundred years of of that. Right, but I, I don't know um, how Kansas's population compares to Oklahoma's um, or Iowa. Well, two good examples. You Oklahoma's know, got uh, a, about a million more, I think, than is Kansas. Is it a million? That's a lot. That's a lot. Plus Tulsa, yeah. and closer to Texas. Yep. Iowa might be a better, you know, better example. Yep. It, it just. <laughs> KU is, they're just behind financially. And, and, you know, you can get into like some culture stuff and all that other, um, you know, they're just behind with, you know, like Les Miles has talked, or people around the program have talked about how the infrastructure is a lot better in that program now. And, and I have no doubt that it is. They have more, you know, analysts, they have more just support staff. It used to be 
uh, you know, if you were on staff and assistant coach, you were doing the job of, you know, two, three, four people at Oklahoma or, te- you know, that there was just now those coaches have these assistants. They don't call them those assistants, but you know what right. I mean? Like no, just, right. just more support, but that only gets them a little bit closer to the bottom. You know, it, it's sort of like the, I'm mixing sports and analogies here, but sort of like the, the Royal signing a new TV contract. It's like, yeah, it's a lot more money, but you're still like 28, 29, 30 um, in, in, in Major League Baseball. So there's just, there's a lot of challenges here. And I think that that's why, you know, um, I've used the word skepticism and that's probably, I don't know if that's the right word exactly, but just, you know, prove it. You know, uh, we need to see more than an encouraging loss and and then a nice win, but still a win that was, you know, some would say literally handed to you. When, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was you quite know, some, some might say that. <laughs> the kid had a path. <laughs> he really did. He straight had ahead. a path. If you haven't seen oh it, gosh. if he doesn't turn to lateral and just looks looks ahead, straight I think ahead. he sees the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, I mean, they, they really might have, if they have a star like this at OC, and if they can keep him around um, for the future, I don't know, you know, crazier things have happened. All right, um, because because we correct our errors on the show in in real time as you're listening to this recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the population of Kansas in the last census: two point nine million. Mississippi: two point nine million. Uh, Oklahoma: three point nine million. So Ooh. it is Oklahoma is about a million. You more. see Iowa on there? Iowa is. Three point one million about okay. about yeah. what Kansas is. Wait, and, but you said correct. I think that's what you said initially. I know. You I did. You said a million. Wanted. You said a million more. You were dead okay. on. And and you might want to check me on this. <laughs> yeah. In in practical terms, the recruitable population for Kansas State and Kansas is probably a little bit more than two point nine. Just you know, if there's, you might add a few hundred thousand in in uh, the Missouri, Missouri side of Kansas. You know, yeah. Or of I mean, Kansas City. Yeah, at least some of Blue Springs, Kansas City, you, you Missouri. M- you might, but that's but still, this part of the country is I don't know. I don't want to say the least fertile ground for for recruiting, but it's it's certainly among it. Yeah. It is. Wow. It absolutely is, and that, which is why, listen, there's a reason why there are no Division One programs in in Montana right. or, or the Dakotas. You know, there are no mm-hmm. players there, right? Um, but there are here and. But but it's just not where it is in other parts of the country. So anyway, that's I, I'm always kind of interested in that and why things are the way they are. Yeah. We you can hire the you can hire the the most brilliant coach to to come in at you know and, and, and Bill Snyder was for for a long time yeah. right and did a great job and under, understood the junior college world and did a fantastic job. Anyway, that's um, we can we can devote a whole show to why things are the way they are. But hey, let's before we get out of here though, I think we need to touch on Missouri. And you know, as upbeat as Kansas, Kansas State are feeling going into their game this week, Missouri has a an open week coming off of the loss to Kentucky, which followed the loss to Vanderbilt, which followed a five-game winning streak in which you know optimism was running pretty high because that streak included victories over Ole Miss and South Carolina, but back-to-back road losses to Vandy and Kentucky. The Tigers were 21 and a half point favorites over Vandy. Ten and a half point favorites. I still can't believe how that happened over over Kentucky. So the question is, I keep hearing it more often now. Barry Odom, um, is he? Is, you know, listen. The the most uh, the the fringe of the fan base has wanted him. Never wanted him in the first place. Right. Has wanted him out from with every loss. Um, I guess my question is, how you know? How about the rational thinkers, Vahe? 
Well, <laughs> you're asking me about the rational thinkers. Not, I seem to remember some bozo in this room saying that, that uh, the Vanderbilt game was, it was better for Missouri. That was going to be on the road because it would be a different sort of challenge. No, I, you're pointing to yourself. It was me. You might have agreed. I, I think, yeah, I think you and I are we're nodding our heads in agreement on that one. But the, the point, part of the, part of the thing I felt that has proven to be absolutely wrong is I, I really felt like he, he had um, command presence I mean, he does have command presence, I, but but that that he had the pulse of this team in a way that turns out not to. Um, I don't know. I still don't know what happened in that Wyoming game, but I really felt like we saw the real Missouri emerge in that five-game homestand, which I emphasize now because they're zero and three on the road and five and zero at home. Um, I look maybe an utter collapse cost him his job. I don't maybe six and six cost him his job. I I don't know. I I don't. I think the the thing that's happened this year that's been different than the last few years is you keep thinking they can't even, um, you know, really get to a, a stable, neutral, good place where they can pivot from to have really good years. This year, you feel like they had something in their hands and it's just drizzling through and that they're good enough and not playing up to what they should be. I think this is the first time we've felt like that or people have generally felt like that. Like, they should be way better than this. I mean, we always just assume people should be better, but I mean, there's basis for it. So I, I don't get it. I don't quite think the job's in jeopardy. I, but, you know, look, Tennessee's getting better. They've still got them on the schedule. Florida at Georgia's the next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they could have a four or five game losing streak here pretty quickly. And then we're having a completely different conversation we are. In, in, in a month or so. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I am um, uh, longing for the Drew Locke days. They were competitive. You know, they weren't losing as double-digit favorites when Drew Locke was quarterback. Well, and just one last thing. I, I, gosh, watching that game um, the other night, just throwing the ball over and over in the driving rain and watching like four straight receivers just swat the ball down, basically, unable to catch it. At some point, you have to decide, well, this isn't working. And you got to be able to you got to be able to run with that. I, I, meanwhile, Kentucky's just only going to run yeah. and run runs right through them with the quarterback. And so the wide receiver who became, with the wide receiver right, quarterback. quarterback. So I don't know. That was that was really discouraging to watch. And 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 certainly Kelly Bryant looked, you know, even before he aggravated the hamstring or hurt it, I, he just looked like not the guy we thought he was. Right. Right. All right, you guys. Um, Sam Ellinger, Vahe Gregorian. Um, have fun in Lawrence, where the Wildcats are a six-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they cover. What do you guys think, real quick? Um, now that I've put three seconds of thought into this number. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go with the Cats. That would be my gut. Yeah. Just, yeah. I just, boy, they look so good. So good on Saturday. So, All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All thanks, Blair. Links to some of the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes, and all of our college coverage can be found in the Kansas City Star and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to Leah Becerra for producing today's show. Did you know you can download our podcast everywhere you can download a podcast? Where you can offer a rate and review, please do that. We appreciate the feedback, and it helps us grow the product. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City. And I got a feeling we're going to talk about the Chiefs tomorrow. Thanks a lot.